We are trailblazers. We are scientists. We are diplomats. We are warriors. We are protectors. We are healers. We are pioneers. We are explorers. We are family. And we are the crew of the USS Arabella, boldly going where no one has gone before. Hello, and welcome to The Ready Room, the Trexan sci-fi microcast. I'm Jen, and I play Commander Cyril. And this is Kenny. I play Captain Nathan Quinn of the USS Arabella. On today's show, we have RPG Protocol, a story so far with some special readings, listener feedback, and final thoughts. Diagnostic complete. Initiating RPG Protocol. For today's RPG Protocol, we'll be discussing reading the posts in the story so far. We try to read through everyone's posts, and sometimes um, Kenny can't do it right away, so he'll skim through it. But before he posts, he'll go back and reread everything thoroughly, just to make sure that what he posts um, is cohesive with what everybody else has posted. Yes. And me, for me, I have a little more time, not much more, but I do read everything. And um, sometimes I go back and double check on what someone had said and where they put my character. Because I don't want to, you know, say she was off doing something else when she's, you know, been placed somewhere by Rico. Yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, just make sure you, you read those posts thoroughly because this season we're going to be inserting little quest details you know, or, you know, uh, details that are going to be important for the mission. And you want to make sure that you you pick up on those details and use them because um, it keeps everything flowing as a story. And and look for them in other people's posts because you never know. They may be collaborating with several writers and they got together and, you know, those details are going to be important for, for your post when you come, you know, wow, that went off the tracks real quick. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but that, that's that, that's true. That's what what we're we're just asking is that before you post something, you should read the previous post, just because you don't know if this person used your character, and then all of a sudden, you know, Quinn's on the bridge, but then someone had him in uh, sick bay talking to him, mm-hmm. and it's like all of a sudden I have Quinn on the bridge, not realizing that someone put me in sick bay. If I would have read, I would have known. Oh, well, Quinn's in sick bay, so I have to figure out how I'm going to get him from sick bay to the bridge. Um, it's just little things like that. It's just, you know, uh, making things, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cohesive. Thank you. Cohesive. That's what I'm looking for. It's just making everything flow a lot better. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, believe me, I understand people being busy, but, you know, if you're going to post a really significant post, you should read prior posts to that to make sure everything flows together. And sometimes people miss posts, but, um, oh, yeah, sure that, yeah, you know, definitely double check. And the other thing is, um, sometimes I leave things open-ended so that I don't place anybody's specific character there. They have an option of saying that they are that person I'm referring to. Like, for instance, there was a post where I said that there were several Knights of the Round Table who knelt before Savril, and I said many of those were crewmen. And I know that several characters in the story, um, the main characters, were in armor. But I didn't want to say those people were knights of the round table without talking to them first. So I kind of left that open for for the writers to say, you know, put their their selves in that 
that scene. Yeah. Um, so take advantage of that from time to time. I mean, those are the kind of things you want to look for in posts that, that I'm specifically referring to when I say, you know, look for details that will help you in the story. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the anyway. second, second thing we wanted to talk about are multiple posts. Um, it, currently, we have one post per day per person. Um, meaning if you had multiple characters, you could still only post once for that character. Um, we actually want to amend that. And we are trying to get more people to post more often. So we're, we're going to now make it one post per main character. So take myself. I have Quinn and Took. They are my main characters. I can post once for Quinn and once for Took in one day. So if you're doing a joint post with, say I'm doing a joint post with Savril, and I've already posted something for Quinn, then she would have to post that one. Right. I, I would post it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, Savril would of... post it. That's how we kind of get Sur- around the rule. Yeah, but then Surreal, <laughs> but then Jen can still pose for Dret because yes. Dret is another care of her main characters. Yes, so. and if I wanted to put Surreal in that scene with Dret, that would be fine. Yes, yeah, it's not. So. It's it's it's. I know it seems complicated. It sounds but complicated. It's really not. We're pretty good. Yeah, it's just it's it's all we're asking is that you don't post three four times same character in a row, you know. It just it can make things complicated. Yeah. Whenever we did this in the first season, like the very first season that the RPG existed, um, there were other there was another moderator and um, he he didn't stick around for very long. But it was pretty chaotic because people were really excited because it was new and they were posting over and over and over and over and over again in one day because they had more time. And then the people who were working could only post once or twice and they would get overwhelmed with all these things they had to keep up with and so we're really just trying to avoid that but this season would be our experiment to see if multiple posts work using the the parameters that Kenny just gave and if it works then we'll keep we'll keep doing it but we're just trying to avoid the chaos that happened in the first season yeah so so again it's just it's one post per main character Mm -hmm. a day period so that's simple enough. Accessing library computer data. Initiating the story so far. Enter when ready. Okay, for the story so far, what's going on? Well, there's not a whole lot to, to, to talk about. Um, we have different scenes going on in the holodeck. Um, Savril has taken on the role of Guinevere. And Quinn has taken on the role of King Arthur just for this training program. Mm-hmm. And Quinn has been kidnapped. So now the the quest will be to find the captain. And this is kind of a part of their training mission because on the mission they're going to have to infiltrate the populace and intermingle and kind of go through some – do some detective work to find the scientists. Yeah. And to you know pick up some details and artifacts that would help. Um, verify whether they're responsible for the contamination, the, the cultural contamination. So that's what this, you know, what's going on so far. And we have a couple of characters who are remaining on the um, ship during this time who aren't going on the mission and aren't so far participating in the, the training. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. That that was Shepard. He's not in the hollow suite right now, so that leads me to believe that he's staying on the ship during the mission since he's not partaking in the, the training session. Yeah. And Ryla's staying behind, and so Arik James is staying behind. Yep, and Took. Um, 
Tuk is staying behind. Zrem is staying behind, but I think that Rico talked to me and he might be um, partaking or um, participating in the training session. So we're going to probably play it off as though he was intended to be a part of the mission, but something comes up and he can't. Gotcha. So you know, so that he can still do the um, hollow program. Yeah, and then uh, King Winkster's uh, character. Yeah, he's going to remain behind also because he wanted to. So anyway, so that leaves In Stitch's character, who her name is Ensign Farmer, and Catan, and um, Dunn, which is Brian CD's um, NPC, uh, Kararth, which is Brian CD's main character, uh, Peterson, Doctor Peterson, Counselor Margon, Savril, and Quinn. Cool. And for the um, RPG readings today, we're going to do three consecutive posts that happen one right after the other in, in the RPG in Season 7. And I'm going to start with mine because it, it um, kind of gives you an idea of what's going on right now on the holodeck and what everybody um, should be doing. And then we're going to do two follow-up posts that In Stitches did and Wraith1701 did. Okay, you ready? Yep. All right. The harmonious blend of music and voices that filled the hall was disrupted intermittently by a frenzy of boisterous laughter. The echo was amplified within the ample stairwell and piqued the Vulcan's sensitive ears. She listened attentively for those belonging to crew members. As she proceeded down an infinite number of spiraling steps, she watched her breath curl into wispy clouds of vapor. Torches painted the exhaled mist with golden crests and cast a dancing ochre hue over her barely discernible features. The pungent aroma of roasted pig merged in the dank air with the smell of wood smoke, pine needles, and mildew. These odors assaulted her with increasing persistence the closer she came to the bottom of the winding stairway. She glanced up as a gust of air coursed through the narrow window high above. The blustery breeze lifted the edges of the brightly colored pennants that hung from the oak rafters and tousled the tapestries that brightened the dark rock walls. She briefly paused to admire the scenes of war and love that were stitched into the textiles that covered the walls. The artful draperies told the timeless tale of King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table. As her foot graced the last step, the Vulcan lowered her skirts that she had raised slightly to avoid stumbling. Savril was now standing at the base of the stairs in a grand hall filled with people. She pulled back her hood in order to scan the crowd, searching for familiar faces. After some time, her eyes fell upon her daughter, who was seated at a table gripping the immense hand of a man whose face was contorted and flushed. His teeth were bared, and his body trembled as though he were struggling. Savril started towards them, drawing attention from the lords who had gathered there. They bowed and smiled, and if she had paused long enough, they would have kissed her hand. As she approached the table, Arya's placid face met Savril's. Hail, mother, she said impassively. Savril studied the fraught man and then turned her eye back to Arya. What are you doing, daughter? He challenged me to a test of strength. The man grunted now, in a futile attempt to impress the queen with a quick victory. You are toying with him, remarked Savril. Arya glanced to the man, examined his expression, and turned her gaze back to her mother. I am studying his sense of bravado. The men of this era are audacious. I find it intriguing. With a quick move, Arya slammed the man's massive arm to the table and stood. Savril watched the knight slither pathetically into the crowd. She had no doubt that the man would challenge her again, but for now his humiliation would keep him at bay. 
Where's the captain? asked the elder Vulcan as she searched the faces in the crowd. He said he would meet me downstairs. I do not know, mother, replied Arya. At that moment, a man entered the hall and bellowed in a husky voice. King Arthur has been kidnapped. He repeated the alert three more times before the crowd erupted in confused murmurs. When she heard the claim, Savril pushed her way towards the herald. Did you witness this event? I'm a lady, the man replied as he bowed. Chaos began to take hold as the people began to raise their voices in argument over what should be done. Before the bedlam could build too high, Savril shouted for calm. The vocal commotion was persistent, but before long, the queen had the floor. Knights of the Round Table, come forth. The nobleman came forward and knelt before the queen. Among them were her fellow crewmen. Take a group to pursue Arthur. Make sure a physician is among you. She glanced at Arya and back to the knights. We will accompany you. The holographic knights began to protest, but Servril silenced them with a glance. The next post was written by In Stitches. Mackie, with Councillor Margon's help, had chosen a more appropriate costume. He had left her alone in the holographic sylvan glade so she could change into it. She stripped out of her stretchy pink nightmare and stomped on the conical hat with a grin. The soft, homespun tunic and leggings were much more comfortable, not too dissimilar from the clothing of her homeworld. Mackie was just tying her bootstrings when she noticed an unwelcome giggle. She stood dizzy and called for the computer arch. She leaned against it to steady herself. Enable olfactory interface and mute vocals, she ordered. When the computer had complied, she carefully replicated the fragrance she had just picked up. Identify. A picture of a male appeared, complete with service profile and basic biological information. Damn! Of course she recognized the scent. Jenny brought it to their shared quarters almost every day. She dismissed it in the miasma of Jenny's bewildering conversation. But now... It was pure and strong, overwhelmingly so. Something had to be done before it was too late. Mackie settled on a stopgap measure. Computer, when this scent appears, please filter away from me and interpose with the following. She then emitted a smell of mild cleaning fluid she remembered from her childhood on Fertiller. Medical priority one. She took a deep breath. The scent was gone. So was her dizziness. Discontinue arch. She spotted the discarded pink sparkly costume, snatched it up, and headed to the recycler, tripping only once on her as-of-yet untied bootstring. The next post is from Wraith 1701. A cool spring-scented breeze blew through the trees, causing the branches to sway gently back and forth. The sun sat high in the clear blue sky, its light marking the vivid greens and rich browns of the grassy meadow below appear somehow more sharp and clear than they should. The breeze grew into a gentle wind, sending a shower of bright yellow wildflower petals swirling into the air, only to eventually drift gently back to the earth. This peaceful pastoral scene strongly contrasted the bustling activity taking place in the center of the vast meadow. Dozens of rustic tents dotted the field. Some were simple, small structures designed to house no more than one or two people. Many of the others were large structures, Large, earth-toned tarps held aloft by their series of uniform wooden poles. The side of these larger shelters were open to the air, revealing merchants selling beads, crude jewelry, and large joints of sizzling roasted meat. Crowds of archaically dressed people jostled to and fro between the tents, laughing, singing, and drinking from large wooden flagons. 
The impromptu market formed a vast circle encompassing a rectangle roped off section of field. The roped off area was huge, roughly 100 meters long and 130 meters wide. A fan of ancient earth sports might compare it to a size of a soccer field. The crowd was thickest around this area. Hundreds of people surrounded the field. A small minority sat in a series of wooden bleachers lining one end, but the bulk of the crowd milled about on foot. In the center of the bleachers, sitting in a box-offed area elevated above the others, sat a regal woman wearing a simple yet elegant crown of shining gold. To her left and right stood a pair of guards, each sporting light but functionally plated armor, and wearing brightly gleaming swords strapped to their waists. All eyes were focused on the activities taking place in the grass below. Two men on horseback faced off from opposite sides of the field, each wearing a set of worn but well-maintained plate mail. Each man carried an elongated pole-like weapon, which narrowed to a point. At a subtle hand signal from the crowned woman sitting in the bleachers, each of the riders lowered his weapon into a horizontal position and spurred their horses into action. The horses quickly broke into full gallop, their hooves throwing up clods of earth as they charged relentlessly towards one another. As the distance between each competitor shrank towards nothing, a hush fell over the crowd. The anticipatory silence was shattered by the thunderous clash of still striking steel as one of the riders was violently thrown backwards off his mount, and the crowd erupted into wild cheering. In a distant tree line, out of sight of the reveling spectators, a rectangular doorway suddenly materialized out of thin air. Lieutenant Commander Catan, brandishing a simple but solid fighting staff, stepped through the doorway, followed by Lieutenant de Collin and Ensign Dunn. As he surveyed the holographic environment, a grim smile grew on his face. Looks like the program is already in progress. Some of the other crew members must have beaten us here. Turning towards DeCollin, Catan pointed towards the distant, cheering crowd and the gleaming castle that lay beyond. Camelot, I presume. Priority one message from listener coming in on secured channel. Finally, we've gotten some feedback, some audio feedback from Yay! someone. Who Finally! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, what I was going to say is someone other than Mr. Moyer, who's our good friend and sends yes. us stuff all the time, and we hope he continues to send stuff. Yes. But um, Katrine, who's from Germany, sent us some audio feedback, and she, I don't know that she's a member on the forum or um, even reads our stories, but we're really glad that she listens to the Ready Room. Yeah, woo And um, please keep sending us your comments. We'd love to hear, and, and go ahead and join the forum. We won't bite. <laughs> people, people here are nice. Yeah. And um, and respectful, and, and they are, after a while, become pretty good friends. Yes. So. so let's take a listen to her comments. Hello, Kenyon Chen. You mentioned you got few comments for your Ready Room show, and I'm pretty surprised to hear this. I really enjoy listening to you, and you nearly convinced me to take part in your journey. Sadly, I like time and skill. I guess you invest a lot of time in this community. Organizing all of this certainly is a huge effort. And I hope you get all the fun and appreciation you deserve. I'm somewhat amused by the fact that high-ranking officers have responsibilities beyond the in-game stories, so ranks really must be earned. Sounds fair to me. Travel on and prosper, all of you. This was Katrin from Germany. Command codes verified. Activating final thoughts. 
for the final thoughts, I just wanted to um, put out some feelers to find out how long people want the holodeck training session to last. Uh, I've noticed since Kenny and I can't post as much, there seems to be a little lag in the number of posts that um, our, our regular writers are putting up. And I don't know if everyone else has gotten just as busy as Kenny and I have, or if maybe they're just disinterested or... Um, not enough direction or what. If we if we need to talk about it, Kenny and I will start a thread in the out of character section where you guys can post your your ideas as to what should happen. Just uh, just let us know if we need to end the training session and get on with the mission, and um, what we need to do about um, keeping the posts up. Uh, not not so much the post up, but. Um, Maybe we all should start collaborating a little more since we can't maybe put up as many posts as we normally do just to keep the, the story more cohesive and flowing together. Because I think, I, I don't know if it's my fault for not putting up a more detailed outline this season, but I've noticed that there were a few people who were confused and probably needed more direction than what we gave, which was really done so that people would have more fun and would feel like they had more creative license in this particular season and in this holodeck scene. So if you think you might need more direction, let me know in this out of character thread and maybe we can discuss having a Skype meeting to um, kind of pull, pull us all together and, and keep the pace of the story going. Sounds good. What else do we want to talk about? We're still asking for audio feedback. We got our first one, which is great. Thank you, Katrine. But we definitely want more. You know, just like she did. A little 35-second bit just saying, Hi, hello, this is so-and-so. And what you like about the podcast and RPG and the forums. Or just Star Trek in general. We're not too picky. Also, music. If you guys are creatively and want to make some music for us, we do play music underneath most of the podcast. And it would be great to, to feature some of you guys. Uh, I know Moyer777 does a lot of it, and we do play a lot of his stuff. And I also have some new stuff from Metron07. So, yeah, just send us stuff. You can send it to the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can send it to Jen or I also. Our emails are linked to the profiles in the forums. You can reach the forums at www com and click on the forums link. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I think that is it. This is Jen. And this is Kenny. Hailing frequencies closed. Read more about the adventures of the USS Arabella at com. The Ready Room theme and other RPG music was composed by Rick Moyer. All other music was obtained through the Podsafe Music Network. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to The Ready Room, please listen to the Anomaly Podcast, where female and fandom converge.